Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Sooners Extra Podcast, powered by the Oklahoma. And the Sooners Extra Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. I'm Ryan Aber here, as always, with Abby Bitterman. And Abby, signing day is finally in the rearview mirror. A little bit different. This isn't the, well, it's not the signing day I grew up with. Nope. You're a, a little bit younger, so this is, <laughs> you, you can adapt a little bit better. But uh, the February signing day is not what it once was. Oklahoma only had two signees. And neither of them, no surprises. There was much drama around. One of them, I think, a lot of us thought that uh, he had signed in December when he committed on December signing day. That would be uh, Joshua Eaton. Yeah, I also, I definitely thought that. I guess I was confused, but I definitely thought that he had signed because he committed on signing day. So I thought that that's just how that worked. You would have thought, but uh, you would have been wrong. Joshua Eaton signed in December, or uh, excuse me, committed in December, signed in February. The other one, Reggie Grimes, who there was some speculation that he was going to wind up uh, going elsewhere. He shut that down and uh, wound up signing with the Sooners, which uh, I I think most people expected after he'd been committed uh, for so long. Well, not so long. He committed in late November. But, uh, Abby, let's talk a little bit about this class. Uh, first of all, Reggie Grimes, that's a big get for them mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. One, the geography of it to go into SEC country and get a player like that who's uh, rivals has him as a four-star kid, weak side defensive end. He's uh, they, They've got him at 6'5", 240 pounds. It's a lot of size. Seems to fit in what Alex Grinch wants to do defensively. And but also just the again the 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 optics of it to go into SEC country to get a, the one of the top players out of the state of Tennessee for the second straight year after they got Woody Washington a year ago so uh a, a really important recruiting win for the Sooners on Wednesday yeah definitely especially you know like you said since there wasn't a lot of drama or really any additions or anything important to hang on to uh the one that they had and that you know those positives in that recruitment like you said um but yeah no a pretty solid class for OU overall rivals has it as the number 15 uh recruiting class in the country um so pretty solid spot for OU I would think yeah I think what what was that number two in the big 12 behind Texas yes which (sighs) Texas always seems to win recruiting, win signing day, win uh, recruiting battles. And I I know there's a lot of guys that OU's really wanted that Oklahoma, that Texas has wound up getting. Heck, there was, uh, you know, the the one this year 
whose name uh, name is currently escaping right. Alfred Collins, the kid from uh, Bastrop, Louis or Bastrop, Texas. Excuse me, uh, defensive end. Oklahoma really wanted him. They felt good about him at one point, but uh, wound up staying home, going to the Longhorns. But at the same time, this isn't a new thing that Texas would be ahead of Oklahoma in recruiting, and there's only a couple spots. I think Texas is 13th on that rivals list. But uh, the biggest thing is to look at how many SEC programs are ahead of Oklahoma in in that list, and you've got – seven SEC programs in the top 10. The only non-SEC programs in the top 10 for rivals being Clemson at number two, Ohio State at at number five, and then Oregon at number nine. A little bit surprising to see Oregon there, although they do sometimes fare pretty well. But Oklahoma needs to be up probably a little bit higher Mm -hmm. than 15 to do what they want to do to uh, make that next step. At the same time, I think with this class, I'm not going to raise up too many alarms because you always looked at this one as a little bit of a transitional class after the class that they had last year, bringing in Spencer Rattler, who was obviously, uh, you know, one of the most coveted quarterbacks in the country, three, five-star receivers, you figured they would take a little bit of a step back this year, but next year, that 2021 class, 2022, they really need to take some big steps forward. Yeah, and also, I mean, it's important to get, you know, the most talented guys possible uh, going into the class, but then it's also, you know, what Oklahoma does with these guys, how they develop them, things like that. So, I mean... I I don't know. I don't tend to put like a whole lot of stock in in ratings because it's it helps I think, but then it's what it's what you do with them and how you use these guys that I think is more important in the long run. Well, I mean, you're right. Uh but and I say this all the time when I talk about recruiting rankings cuz people say, "Oh, recruiting rankings don't matter. You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter what the guy's ranked when he comes in as long as he he turns into a, a solid player when he's there." And that's right in the very narrow scope of things. Yeah. Like there's five-star players. I mean, heck, we've seen them at Oklahoma. You know, the Trey Matwire comes to mind and some of these other guys that have come in and they haven't been the players that everybody thought. And then you see other guys who, you know, weren't heavily recruited at all. I mean, heck, we saw Baker Mayfield. He was a, a no-star guy, mm-hmm. a guy who didn't have any offers. Uh, of note, he had a you know Washington State offer coming out of uh, high school, but and became you know the best quarterback in Oklahoma history. So in the the very narrow scope of things, that's right that recruiting rankings don't matter. But I think what a lot of people overlook is that overall they very much do matter. Yeah, the team rankings when you look at a composite ranking of a class. It does matter because it shows it shows time and time again that the teams that finish in the top five in recruiting are the ones that are making the playoffs are the ones that are winning national championships. So it, it's it's hard to deny on the you know big scale level that recruiting rankings don't matter. And you would also think that just like for the optics of it, you know, the big five and four star guys probably want to go to where the big other four and five star guys before them go 
So I think the optics of it, you know, matter too. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. So, but I think Oklahoma's class um, for for twenty twenty one and twenty two will be better. They've got to get a, a big time quarterback in the twenty twenty one class. They didn't have that this year. I know they feel good about Chandler Morris, but he's more of a project type of guy. It, you know, there's is it Caleb uh, Caleb Williams? I think is the uh, five star guy that they're going after for uh, the 2021 class really heavily after um, Brock Vandegrift decommitted out of that class. They've now only committed got, to Georgia, I believe. Yeah, now committed to Georgia. Uh, Oklahoma's only got the three 2021 commitments in uh, offensive lineman Colin Montgomery from down in Houston, Ethan Downs, a defensive end from Weatherford, and Cody Jackson, a re- wide receiver from Richmond, Texas. Um, so that's a good start. But uh, I think you're going to start seeing some names added to those lists and, and see them start stacking up some more recruits before long. I think that 2021 class has a chance, if things fall together, to be a, a, a really good one for the Sooners. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and they're already on the board for 2022. But, yeah, I think that that 2021 class, like you said, uh, it'll be important for them to bring in some some bigger name guys. Yeah, and they do have the one commitment from 2022. I'm not going to – we won't going to spend too much time talking yeah. about him because who knows what's going to happen. You know, a couple years down the road, that's a long time to stay committed once yep. you go through the recruiting process, although certainly a good thing. But um, let's uh, we're going to take a break there. We're going to come back on the other side with more – OU recruiting talk, and then in the final segment, some uh, non-football talk. Once again, this is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Three, two, welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. I'm Ryan Aber here with Abby Bitterman and Abby spend a little bit more time talking about this 2020 class at Oklahoma sign. Now that it's mm-hmm. uh, completely in the rearview mirror, who is the guy on this class that you feel like is going to have the biggest impact on the field for the Sooners in 2020? Well, I mean, you, you wrote about this for Thursday's paper. Yes. I'm getting all my days confused. Um, and I would, I would, I would say that I think it's Perion Winfrey just because I think that OU is going to need a lot of help on the defensive line. And he's a guy who uh, is not coming out. He's a community college guy, so he has a little bit of experience, not at the D1 level, but a little bit of a higher level and probably quicker for him to make that jump. And I would say him, um, I have a number two pick, but I'm going to let you pick first before I give that okay yeah um uh, you know i'm gonna go with bryson washington okay. the, the, the safety he's got the size at six foot three 
to to make an impact. Safety was such a spot where Oklahoma didn't have much depth this mm-hmm. year. Secondary is a place where freshmen can make impacts pretty quickly, as we've seen the past couple of years for the Sooners. And we'll see what how that secondary winds up looking. But it, you know, several of those guys that were signed to play in the secondary are going to wind up being uh, impact players for the Sooners in 2020. Uh, I think a couple of them are going to wind up redshirting. It's hard to pick out which ones uh, will do that. But I think Bryson Washington, to me, looks the most ready out of those guys based on his size, the film, the the, the job he's able to do in coverage. I think that uh, he's got a chance to have an immediate impact. Uh, was that your number two guy or somebody else? Uh, no, mine was actually Marvin Mims. Just, you know, seeing how, uh, seeing how much – the freshman receivers got to play this year, maybe not always having the biggest impact in games, but definitely, you know, making touchdown catches, playing in big games like against Baylor. Um, I think that uh, in that receiving core, freshmen do really get a chance. And so I think that, you know, seeing the, uh, the impact he had at his high school team and how he's like, what the, the number one, receiver in the state of texas in well, terms of like catching I believe yards not only in the state of texas i believe nationally he's the most productive receiver uh nationally in high school football history yeah so you would think history he should be able to translate at least some of that on in, into the division one level now obviously i don't expect him to put up those kind of numbers yes i don't expect him to be even their number one receiver this year I think that'll probably wind up being uh, a guy like Charleston Rambo, mm-hmm. possibly one of those guys that were freshmen this year. Although I probably would have said, well, I don't know. I think Jaden Hazelwood has a chance to mm-hmm. be that guy if everything falls right. Um, you know, we'll see what kind of progress Theo Weiss, Trajan Bridges make, although Bridges could be out for a few games to start the, the next season. I don't think either of the graduate transfers that they brought on board, uh, Theo Howard from UCLA, who's got some injury issues, he's got to deal with Obiobialo, a great name, great name, by the way. Great name. Uh, from, from Marshall, who, you know, I think a lot of people have downplayed the possibility of him being an impact guy because of the numbers he put up last year without realizing that he was hurt a lot of that and didn't do that in, in very many games. I, I think he's got a chance to be a pretty productive member of this receiving core. Uh, you know, I think he could be a guy that could fit into that sort of Nick Basquin, Lee Morris type of role. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think he's going to be a star. I don't think he's going to be the game breaker that, say, CeeDee Lamb was. But he's got a chance to, to, to contribute. But Marvin Mims, to me, is a really interesting guy to see. Uh, how he's able to, uh, how quickly he's able to make an impact for the Sooners, and I think it could be fairly quickly. It seems to me that there, the two spots that freshmen can have the quickest impact at, and you don't feel like they're going to be overwhelmed physically, are receiver and uh, secondary, safety and corner. And I think that's why this list winds up having a lot of those guys and a guy, like you mentioned, in Perrion Winfrey, who uh has been out of high school a few years and has a little bit of experience playing college football named now not at the d1 level like you mentioned but i i think to me uh washington uh is probably the safest bet or no let me let me rephrase that 
Marvin Mims, I think, is the safest bet among freshmen mm-hmm. to have a quick impact. Winfrey is the guy to me that has the highest ceiling amongst, and I said freshmen, I meant incoming guys, new new faces, newcomers. Uh, Winfrey is the guy that probably has the highest ceiling among those guys because if Winfrey can figure everything out, he's got a chance to to be not only a really good defensive lineman for Oklahoma, but has a chance to be a you know first round pick caliber player. Mm-hmm. Now on the reverse side. Who do you think is most likely to redshirt? Um, well, I mean, I, I would throw in, I would make it pretty much every offensive lineman that they signed for a couple reasons. Mm-hmm. One, I talked about the secondary guys and receivers being ready to go physically. Offensive linemen are generally the farthest away physically from being able to contribute. Sometimes you can get in guys, you know, we saw it with Creed Humphrey a few years ago had uh had oklahoma had some injuries there if eric wren had been hurt they would have inserted creed humphrey as a true freshman i think felt good about that those guys are really really rare though and uh you know looking down at the list of guys that they sign in the offensive line i'd probably say a guy like noah nelson would be the most likely of those guys to redshirt, but I really I think all the offensive linemen are going to redshirt unless something major happens there. Um, Especially with so much experience, so much coming, coming back. back, they really return their offensive line intact. They do lose R.J. Proctor, but Eric Swenson, who was sort of a on again, off again starter there with Proctor, comes back. So I would anticipate that that group would be the the ones who start next year. And uh, that they'll try to save uh, all of these guys a, a year of eligibility through redshirting, but we'll see what happens. What about you? Well, I mean, as you wrote, if Chandler Morris doesn't redshirt, something went really wrong. <laughs> and to me, that just that just hits the nail on the head. Um, yeah, I think that that seems like an easy choice for OU. Probably like a. Not not saying he is of the caliber of Spencer Rattler, but like a Spencer Rattler situation where he'll he'll get in in like late in a game and maybe throw like a pass, but probably yeah. I mean, not you could see, see him, a lot of Chandler uh, Morris, you know, playing late in that Missouri State game, maybe. Yeah. Uh, early on, I'm not sure uh, we see him much beyond that. Maybe against, I would like, not think. Maybe against Kansas if things get really out of hand there at the end. Really out of hand. One of those things. Well, it is Kansas. It could happen. That's true. It often um, does. So we'll see. But, yeah, that's a uh, as good a pick as any. And, yes, if Chandler Morris sees the field in any way other than mop-up duty in a game or two, something has gone disastrously wrong. Or here's the order that. Or Tanner Mordecai decides to transfer at some point which is a possibility and they have to have Chandler Morris at least somewhat ready sort of like what we saw with Austin Kendall a few years ago when Oklahoma didn't have a backup quarterback uh, that they could use that had any um, that was on scholarship or that was not a true freshman Austin Kendall had to burn a redshirt year that year um, Mm -hmm. because of that now that said, now 
I think you might sort of hold off and maybe you can get by with uh, Chandler Morris only playing in the four games and, and, and try to manipulate that a little bit, whether it's with Tanner Schaefer or somebody else. Because um, I think it would you – know, of course, I think Austin Kendall would have been better served redshirting that year versus the next year when he redshirted uh, after losing the starting job. Um, but that's going to be something interesting to watch. But um, in my mind, there's no doubt that Spencer Rattler is the starting quarterback next year, and uh, there's no doubt that they would really, really like to redshirt Chandler Morris. Yeah, and I mean, as we've talked about too, you know, anything could happen, but Oklahoma lately has had really good luck keeping their quarterbacks healthy for the most part. So you would think that even if something happens with Tanner Mordecai, that they still have a good shot to be able to redshirt um, uh, Chandler Morris, especially with that four-game rule, you know, that that gives you like some wiggle room. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, all right, we're, we're going to take one last break here on the Sooners Extra podcast presented by Zaxby's. We'll be back with uh, some, some non-football talk for there a few minutes at least. There are other sports. Yes, there are other sports at OU for a few minutes at least. Uh, once again, this is the Sooners Extra podcast presented by Zaxby's. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. I'm Ryan Aber here with Abby Bitterman. And, uh, Abby, let's do some non-football talk real quick. Uh, Oklahoma hung in with Texas Tech. Men's basketball hung in with Texas Tech the other day down in Lubbock. Wasn't quite able to pull it out. Had a, some struggles there over the last uh, four or five minutes of that game. Mm-hmm. How disappointing was that for them? And how important does that make Saturday's game against West Virginia? Because Oklahoma has got to start winning some of these games against the top teams in the conference to keep themselves in the NCAA tournament picture. Yeah, definitely. I think it's really important that OU go at least 500 in conference. And that means if if you can't pull some of these out on the road, that you've got to win them all at home. Um, And, I mean, even when you're playing a tough team like West Virginia – uh, I think that, you know, losing in that close one against Texas Tech just makes Saturday all the more important. Um, but uh, kind of like we were talking to Austin Reeves yesterday, and like he said, they gave themselves an opportunity w- to win, but the last five minutes they didn't play the way they wanted to. Um, and that kind of that kind of tells you all you need to know. He was the only person that scored in the last five minutes, and kind of that last minute of the game – Oh, you put up some shots, none of them went in, and they had to start fouling, and that kind of just sealed it for Texas Tech. So, you know, Austin Reeves and Brady Manick really scoring-wise uh, did 
did most of the work and kind of kept OU in it, especially Austin Reeves late in the game. But, uh, you know, that one I would think definitely hurts when you ha- when you give yourself a chance on the road. And not that you think about this in the moment, but knowing that they have to come back on Saturday and play a team like West Virginia. And then also they had to take a very long bus ride back <laughs> after that loss. So yeah, not, they, uh, not the ideal way to, to do things. They would have liked to have had that game be a little bit earlier in the night mm-hmm. because then they probably could have caught their flight back and been okay. Unfortunately, uh, by the time that uh, that game got over, it had started uh, the, the precipitation had started to fall here in Oklahoma mm-hmm. City. It became snowy and, and a little bit icy. The plane couldn't leave. All-night bus ride. And then you get an all-night bus ride in the snow and ice. Uh, uh, which through is, West Texas. Through West Texas, which is uh, not fun. I've actually made that drive in the snow a couple years ago when uh, Oklahoma played uh, down in Lubbock football-wise. And uh, we woke up in Amarillo the next day, and it was snowing. So we had to make that drive back, but uh, glad that they made it back okay. Those mm-hmm. those things can go one of two ways. They can be bonding experiences, or they can just be absolutely miserable. Oklahoma baseball felt that a few years ago when uh, a good chunk of its team missed its flights back from Atlanta uh, to, to Oklahoma City after a, a baseball series out uh, in Georgia, and a lot of them, including Kyler Murray at the time, had to take a bus ride from Atlanta to Norman. How did how did only part of them miss the flight? Uh, some of them were able to get through security in time to get to the flight. A large chunk of them were not able to get through security in time to. Uh, and they just said we're getting on the plane well i mean they didn't have a choice i assume they knew it wasn't a charter plane this was Ah, not a charter situation true yes the baseball team when they fly has to go the commercial route so (laughs) they had to you know wait in the tsa line with you know all the other uh folks makes sense so that's that's where that landed but yeah big chunk of them had to to hang around and i remember uh i think their sid at the time was brendan flynn Somebody had to be responsible for the players, and one of the adults in the room had to uh, be the one to hang back. Brendan Flynn drew that short straw and wound up having to make that uh, that bus ride back uh, with, with them. So that was interesting. Uh, really quick, um, before we wrap up, yes, Sherry Cole got her 500th win mm-hmm. on the road. Uh, the other night in Kansas, then followed up with 501 at home against West Virginia. Some encouraging signs for Oklahoma women's basketball. Ani Yanusa being back, being the big one of them. They need uh, Taylor Robertson to, to continue to uh, keep rolling along at the three-point line. But Gabby Gregory has been the one who's really held this team together to this point. I know Taylor Robertson has done a lot scoring-wise. Uh, Maddie Williams has done a lot in a lot of areas, but Gabby Gregory being a freshman to do what she's been able to do is, uh, you know, one of the big reasons that Oklahoma still being talked about is a potential NCAA tournament mm-hmm. team. They've got to win some games here uh, to to keep that up, but certainly 
breaking out of that uh, little bit of a slump and, and getting the 500th win and then uh, beating West Virginia at home is a, a very encouraging sign for the Sooners. Yeah, and an Oklahoma kid, Gabby Gregory is. Yeah, she's from Tulsa, from yep. Holland Hall, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, r- really good sign for, for Oklahoma for the future. They still need size. That's still an issue. It will continue to be an issue um, un- until they get that addressed. But uh, certainly been some, some encouraging things for the Sooners this year. And then uh, finally, Abby, one more thing to touch touch on. Softball team finally got going. Yes, uh, the softball season baseball started. Baseball is still about a week away. Mm-hmm. I'm actually about to head over to, to baseball right now, but uh, Patty Gasso's squad got started, and it looks like going to be another year where they're right there in the discussion for uh, winning a national championship. Yeah, uh, you know, started yesterday uh, in the Puerto Vallarta cha- uh, College Challenge in Mexico with a 9-3 win over Nevada. They're actually about to play a second game that starts right now. Um, But the story of the game was really, you know, how their freshmen played. Uh, Kinsey Hansen had a team and game leading four RBIs. Uh, Other freshmen were really able to contribute. And so this team lost a really core group of players who had been starters and had a big impact for four years, uh, who all uh, graduated at the end of the 2019 season. So, you know, OU softball, one of the top programs in the country every year, has no trouble reloading. And I think they kind of showed that yesterday, especially with their freshmen being the ones to step out and make that impact in that first game. Yeah, so it'll be uh, interesting to follow them. OU baseball is, is really highly thought of this year. They'll start next week. We'll talk a little bit about Skip Johnson's team. And, and their prospects for this year, obviously OU uh, women's gymnastics is uh, right now, I would say, the, the strong favorite mm-hmm. to uh, repeat as national champions. And then men's gymnastics is right up there as well. I would anticipate them uh, probably finishing as runner-ups this year. I think Stanford is going to be a little bit too tough to overcome, especially with what OU lost from last year's team. But uh, some some really exciting times in Norman for sports that don't involve football. Obviously, football gets the, the, the bulk of the attention and will continue to get the bulk of attention. But uh, it'll be an interesting spring in Norman for sure. But uh, thank you so much for joining the Sooners Extra podcast. Please uh, check out our work every day at oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best OU coverage anywhere. The Sooners Extra Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today.